All right, it's Jeff Mayhew, it's John Beatty, it's Politics and Parenting, where we talk about politics, but we talk about it differently. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing real well, Jeff, but I was, I'm kind of incensed, actually, because I realized that last time we had the podcast, we complained about all these websites looking the same, and I was listening to another podcast, and I think all the podcast intros sound the same, so we'll uh, we'll talk to our editorial team and we'll fix that, but... Other than that, I'm doing really well. Uh, oh, so my intro is just like plain and generic, like all the campaign websites to get the sheep to follow. And then you, you know, you ask all about how you doing, you know. So but I'm good. How are you? Well, I mean, let me let me follow along too and say how are you? Yeah, I mean that's that's the social construct, right? Like everybody kind of follows through, and you do what you behavior shapes behavior, right? We talk about that a lot. Um, I'm doing well. So yesterday we had our Madisonian Republican meeting and I'm always very drained after those. I don't know how you are, but uh, I I like wanted to do a lot of work today and I went into work, right, to physically had to go to the office and do some manual labor, unfortunately. But um, I came back home and I was like, I need to write. But I ended up just sitting down and reading. I I needed to catch up to Julian Don Quixote. So (laughs) how about yourself? I was helping my parents in their move, so uh, pretty oh, busy weekend, but not produ- too terribly productive. Other than, as you said, we had our meeting, and I think it went really well. Um, yes. And I think it was some good ideas and some good discussion as we kind of flesh out what I think what, what the Madison Republicans about, what we kind of think we can help kind of coalesce people around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was a great meeting as well. Um, I'm really excited. Um, the last two meetings just seem more organized and put together. Obviously, we're the ones in charge of that, right? So that's all on us. But I mean, it is good because we we put it out there, we put the message out there, and we're getting such good conversation back. Um, th- like you mentioned, great ideas from from the other people participating, and that's fantastic. Um, and that leads into what we're what our pod is about today. So our pod is we're just kind of going to go through our meeting that we had yesterday. Um, we've been doing a little series. Uh, August was about representation. Um, September is about um, power. There's a lot of power in our society, isn't there, John? A tremendous amount. I mean, like just in terms of as you were talking about, like the power in a family of someone making decisions, and then there's the power at the federal level about how our country operates and, and what the uh, what a nation's response to any problem is or uh, trying to, to fix whatever ails society. Right. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's just get started with our meeting. So this is how we run our meetings. Um, the beginning part is introductions. Um, we, John and I, each put forth a question and then we answered it and then we have the audience answer it. John and I will obviously do it today since there's no audience talking back to us, uh, just the ones in our head, right, John? <laughs> um, so introduction, uh, our questions are, what is your biggest insecurity and what did you want to be growing up? John, what was your answers? Well, what I, is your answer? Up, I ended up being like 30 minutes late, so it worked really well. But I think one of my biggest insecurities is being late to uh, anything. And it's a, a pet peeve of mine when other people are late. So I feel really bad when I cause other things to be late and to start late. Um, and then growing up, I I wanted to be a football player, a, a place kicker for the Green Bay Packers because my school didn't have a football team. And I figured that was kind of the easiest way to, that was an individual skill that you could work on and um, try to get in, play in college. And then after, you know, once you're successful as a place kicker in, 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 for the Packers, 
then I wanted to retire and be a farmer, like my great uncle who had a farm down in uh, Fauquier County. And um, so I kind of skipped the football thing and, and went straight to hobby farming. And uh, <laughs> at this point, I've retired from hobby farming. So maybe I'll go into football. What was your, what right. were your answers again? Uh, so I, I shared that I have a lot of insecurities, right? Um, my intelligence, my appearance. You know, one that I forgot that is a really big one is my reading. I'm really insecure about reading. I didn't read for most of my life and this is all kind of new to me. So when I read publicly, like I get so like nervous and tense about it. And I always feel like I mess up because I am so nervous and tense about it, <laughs> which makes it worse. Um, and then what did I want to be when I grew up? I wanted to be a baseball player, uh, like every kid, right? I wanted to be a superstar. Um, and I thought I could do that. And I think adults told me that I could, at least it made me believe that I could. I'm not sure if they were like, you know, just making me feel good or it was true. At this point in my life, I, I think I was pretty far from ever actually becoming a professional athlete. There was never really any talent there, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, professional athletes, I mean, like that's a whole different ballgame in terms of it's part of its talent, but a part of it so much of it is just constant, constant practice and constant working on that skill over and over again. So you know, if you have any uh, hobbies outside of that sport, I, I don't think you're going to be a professional player. Well, yeah, that's true. And yeah, in this, uh, the sports leagues, they've specialized kids now. It was different when we were growing up. You used to play all the different sports. And now mm -hmm. it's like you play one sport and you like play the heck out of it so you can get a job one day. But um, all right. So let's go to August. Um, let's do our August recap. In August, in our August meeting, we we discussed how it's the government's res responsibility to balance society's power and how our government allows the people to carry some of that responsibility with representation. And we went into a really deep dive on representation, how important it is. Uh, we asked the question, why 435? And uh, for any listeners out there, if you want to know more about our August meeting and representation, there's three articles you can read. Uh, why 435? Um, it's Constitution Day and to the Republic. Each one of these uh, touches on on representation and pretty much anything that I write about is always going to be asking that big <laughs> asking question. Asking that one question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, now that we hit our, our recap, we're going to dive into our, our topic for today, which is power. Um, so John, what would you say power is? I mean, I, well, I think in our discussion about it, we, we kind of broke it down into two types. There's sort of an active power. Um, and that's one where it's the person actually making a decision and, and imposing something. Um, so I think an example you brought up was sort of, um, if you're my, trying to my like, wife, yeah. Or, oh, or like, you know, like if, if it's movie, you know, we have family movie night and our, we try to do it every Friday if the schedule permits. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, who's going to pick the movie and what kind of movie they're going to pick. And there's sort of, there, it's a privilege of the person picking the movie, and um, often it falls to me. And so that is kind of a power you rule over determining what other people's entertainment can be. And that's kind of a simple example, but you can stretch that to all sorts of things where uh, it's the president deciding that um, if he looks at all the statutes that are available to him and he says, well, quote, we're in an emergency situation. And um, because of that, there's a law that says during an emergency situation, he can forgive student debt so he's gonna forgive student debt because we're in a quote emergency situation so that's an act of power right there you know he's got the ability to do it and he uh takes that power and then um, yeah. there's kind of the the passive power and that's sort of i think we we think about it sort of the rules that get out and i think a passive power if you go back to family movie night would be like 
well, we're not going to watch any movies that maybe have uh, bad language because it's you know it's for, we're trying to be for all the audiences. Um, we're probably not going to watch a movie that is a little too intense for the little kids. I mean, some of the, the like the middle schooler might enjoy it, but if you're thinking about like the kindergartner, the, the first grader, you know, they, they kind of, if there's an intense scene, even in something like Five Will Goes West, uh, which is a great movie that we saw recently, um, there's uh, like, they, they kind of get antsy and they sit in their seat and they're like wondering what's going on. So the passive power is kind of decisions that get made outside of the, the, the actual decision that sort of shape uh, there's that shape word again. Um, <laughs> what, what, what someone thinks that the, what kind of decision someone thinks they're able to make. Right. Um, and I think about, you know, like as far as active power, you know, you, you brought up the executive, the house has active power. And when I think about passive power, I think about the judiciary, the Supreme court, right? Because they really, they're only getting involved when the other branches kind of can't come to a resolution. Right. And, yeah. um, now we can say that they've been used as an active power, um, but I don't think that's good for our for our government. But uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, there's more than just the power of the government too, right? Like, there's media is power, um, entertainment is power, um, a lot of things are power, and our government, I think, our constitution's you know job is is to try to balance as much as that power, oversee as much as that power as possible, um, to make sure it remains limited and balanced among society, and so that's gonna. That's going to bring us to our next uh, slide, and we're going to put all this in the show notes. I should have brought that up earlier. Take a look at the the slide, right? We'll put it in the show notes. Um, but these are is, cool slides, not the boring PowerPoints you're used to. Yeah, yeah, these are cool slides. Uh, so what are the main powers in our government? We have four main powers. Uh, the executive, which is the president, the state, which is the Senate, and the people, which is the House, and then the judiciary, which is the Supreme Court. And uh, John, you're going to talk about the first two there, uh, the executive and the state. Right. So, it, I mean, I kind of alluded to it with the, the whole student loan jubilee slash forgiveness, depending on, on what your thought on it. But, you know, you think of the president, um, some of the key things given to the president by the Constitution are the ability to direct war. Now, the executive is not supposed to determine that we're in war, that kind of power is is yielded to the house um, because they're, I mean, they represent the people and that when you go to war, you're asking a lot, but in terms of day-to-day -day overseeing of something like, you know, you, you say we're in war and then you kind of hand it off to the president and you let the president um, run the army and um, run the whole logistics system, run the bureaucracy, run things that, that someone can succeed that you know, the we the country, we the people can succeed in whatever endeavors we come across, um, and then when we're not at war, or even during war, there's all sorts of other functions that the Senate and the House recognize that that um, the president should be responsible for, and so they give um, the president the power to carry out with that. And I think, um, you know, going back to the student loan forgiveness, like that's a weird thing because there are that that passive power of saying like. Again, if you're in a, in a quote emergency, then you can forgive student loans. And then sort of where we see it kind of get abused is where someone tries to read between the lines of the text and to come up with a, an interpretation of those that uh, passive power that sort of fits whatever the active power wants to do. Um, and I, you know, I we're just talking about the current president, but I think both sides, both parties are guilty of this, where they've got ideas that they want to pass through and they just trying to 
they look at the rules and they say, well, maybe we can interpret this as that and this is that. And I think that goes back to where you've got the passive, you're talking about the judiciary of coming in and trying to set the record straight of what an actual definition is. But at the, at the end of the day, the executive is the one that is really carrying out the functions that the Senate and the House have, have designated um, the president should do. Um, and, yeah. you know, and, you could say that the bureaucracy is too big, but, um, you know, that yeah. technically is things that those powers have given him. Right. And, and, and we, you know, we, we want an executive that can be strong, right? Like you mentioned about, you know, if Congress, if the people decide to go to war, you want that power to be vested there. That comes all the way back from Rome, right? With the, the temporary dictators. The purpose of that was like, it's just like one point of contact at the top, right? Is going to be a more adaptable mode of uh, warfare. And that's, you know, it's going to be good for your country. Realistically, you need quick decision-making in that situation. So um, it's designed that way for a purpose. Um, we have to make sure that it continues to be balanced. Um, and that brings us to number two, which is the state and the Senate, which is the, um, the main check on that federal power, don't you think, John? Yeah. And I think that's shown through the advising consent. I mean, the, the Senate, it has to agree to every bill that comes out of the house, uh, or in order for it to get sent to the president. But one of the special privileges that the Senate has is the advising consent. And there's, I'm reading this history of the Senate, and there's a, a fun story from like the first session of the Senate where the uh, a treaty gets brought before the Senate by George Washington himself. He comes into the Senate room. He's watching the proceedings. He has his vice president, John Adams, read out the treaty. Um, and then the senators, because there's a lot of noise, because it's busy uh, New York City uh, and the windows are kind of open. So they, they couldn't quite hear everything. And they said, you know what? Why don't you do a second reading of that? So Adams kind of uh, it seems like sheepishly he, he does a second reading. He does it pretty quickly. And again, they're like, you know what? We still don't quite understand it. Could you do a third reading? And so after the third reading, enough senators realize that they still don't quite understand all the ratification ramifications of this treaty. And they just want to make sure that they do it right. And so even though George Washington came down there to kind of show them that he supported this and, you know, everyone loved George Washington, they were willing to say like, why don't you give us some time? We'll come back. And one of the senators talks about how George Washington stands up immediately and he's like, what, what was the point of me even coming down here? I, you know, basically I came down here in order to not really bully them, but to, to sort of strongly encourage them that they should just take to my use word his power. for it. Um, to, yeah. So they, use, that was his power, right? Like, and it wasn't, it's not like the power that the, the constitution gave the executive. It was literally his personal power, the power of the man to stand over another body and say, Hey, I agree with this. You should agree with this too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a couple of days later, they, they assent to it. So it's not like they didn't think it was a bad treaty. But that is one of those key things where the Senate should take their time and should make sure that whatever the executive is doing, and especially in those treaties, in those uh, appointments to federal offices, they really got to respect that privilege that's given to them by the Constitution and sort of it's wielded, um, that's granted by all the states to, to make sure that the, what's being done is good for the whole union. Um, right. And, it, you know, the other part of that is they... Uh, look at all the bills that the house comes over. So, you know, you could talk about that. Yeah. So, and that, that, that brings us right to number three, the people, right? The house of representatives. Uh, so the house house is a check on both the federal and the state power. Now we've talked about this before in our, uh, Madisonian Republican meetings about how in Rome, there were two main powers, the state and the federal, how they would go to war. And it was kind of the people that suffer. So our, our government, we were like, well, let's give those people some power. Right. And we decided we created this house and it's, it's brilliant. 
Um, and we divest the power of the of writing laws to the people where they write their own laws. Um, we give them the power of the purse. They they make their own taxes, right? And we give them war powers because, like you mentioned before, if if a country goes to war, it's the people fighting the war, right? right? It, it's not it's not the people at the top. Um, I think uh, I was watching something recently with my wife, and it's like an old timey oh i was watching the movie troy last night and like it, they go to war because this guy sleeps with this other guy's wife and it's like that's how wars happen so frequently back in the day right and that's why we vested that power in the people's hands so that doesn't happen and right and i would say you know even if you're not actually fighting in the battle you know it's maybe your children that are fighting the battle and it's you your responsibility to provide resources for those i mean um, kind of modern war is is a total war where Everyone is is involved either on the home front supplying the army or getting bombed mercilessly by the other side. Yeah, and so we have we have the house that has all of this power, and and one of the really fantastic functions of the house, and we talk about this with the executive, the adaptability part, right? And the house makes our government adaptable in the fact that they are two year terms, and this was you know Madison was very adamant. He writes about it a lot. Uh, he wants to hold them accountable for their actions. So if any that that is to protect people from tyranny, from being oppressed, right? Is vote them out of office if things are going wrong. Um, now the problem with these powers that we just discussed is so often the political parties try to take these three active powers: the executive, the state, and the people, and the house, and they line them up together and they say, "Vote for us. We have to win all these so we can get things done." And what they're doing is they're they're taking the two the the three active powers and they're splitting them into two and that becomes dangerous realistically it becomes a, a battle of of this or the, you know him or she, she or he and this or that and it's it's the people that end up losing it's the same situation in rome um they co-opt the people into it right and uh that can be a problem now how we're supposed to resolve this if those powers aren't agreeing properly they're not supposed to all you know be in a line on one red or blue team is the judiciary, the the fourth and what I consider a passive power. So if the state and the federal are having an issue and they send the the uh, send the problem to the Supreme Court, they may rule, right? They'll may, they decide for them, but that ruling is really supposed to kick it back to the House, and then you're supposed to work on it again so you can find a problem where you actually solve it and uh you know we see this in the 1850s with some of the dred scott case right where you know just terrible rulings and you just keep on trying and trying and trying to overturn it and then you see this with the roe case in uh in the 70s and then you know where we end up having dobbs in 2022 it's just like it was a problem that society was having and roe decision was like it was a band-aid fix for the problem. It was like, look, you guys need to work on this. You guys, as a society, needs to come to a solution to this. And let's, you know, realistically, let's write an amendment, right? That's what their the purpose is. But we didn't do that. And uh, that's why we go back and forth. And then, and that's what happens. The political parties are able to capture or capitalize on that because they turn those wedge issues into ways to get elected and win elections. And that's kind of a big problem. Yeah. Um. All right, so now that we've kind of outlined the four um, main powers, let's talk about how our Constitution 
balances power. Now, if you're following along, there's going to be two slides. The one's the September meeting slide, and the other one is a sphere of power. So you're going to click over to your sphere of power slide. And what you see here on the first circle, and it's a two-dimensional circle, obviously, but you can also think about this as a 3D image, um, is you've got the, <clears throat> the president, that strong central democracy really invested into the executive branch. And that's centered right in the middle of your large circle. You've got your other three powers, your house, your Senate, and your Supreme Court, little wedges out there. And in between that white you see, that's like your freedom, your other types of powers that aren't really overseen by the government. Think about maybe your faith, your the economy, your family, stuff like that. And those other three powers, it gives them the freedom. They can kind of move around and shift around and, and morph a little bit. Uh, one may get a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger, but they all stay within that same balance. Um, and you've got the executive there kind of holding everything together, keeping the country safe and able to wield all of the powers together to protect us if necessary, like we talked about with uh, going to war. Um, now we move to the next slide. Now what you see is this is this is the country after the house was capped we stopped expanding power right we stopped spreading power out and we kept it the same now what you see is a society that has a lot of freedoms and this allows let's say private business to come in and capitalize and take advantage of different market situations it allows unions to do the same thing um and it benefits really people at the top that have money and capital realistically and it kind of hurts the the labor class and what happens is the labor class typically will get frustrated and you see uh, riots you see protest and we've seen that recently and the temperature keeps on getting turned up and up and so then you move to the next slide so now that society is getting out a little bit a little rough and ready out there the people at the top they're like oh crap we need to like we need some rules we need to get people we need to check that power all this all these people that are ungoverned by our power we need to like you know show the strong hand and since they're unbalanced and they don't know how the system works which is realistically what is happening to our government because everybody thinks in terms of red and blue as opposed to state people and judiciary. Um, and so what you see is you see those other branches of the government start to cede their power to the executive. We've seen that with the war powers. We've seen that with uh, the student loan thing. Um, we've seen that with um, a lot of situations. Even the Dobbs case, realistically, is it was a, a movement to, to change the Supreme Court justices to change the ruling. It was never about governing in our, in our situation like we are. And so what you end up with is you end up with a, an executive branch that is growing federal power constantly. And it powers like a magnet. Everything sucks to it. So the people at the top, the Supreme Court uh, uh, Chief Justice, the House leader, the minority leader, the Senate majority leader, the Senate ma minority leader, they're all in that inner sphere, and they're kind of making all those decisions and all that power. They're just kicking it up to the executive and they say, you do it. Because really power is power, but it's also responsibility. And since they don't actually have the power to govern themselves, they don't know how the system works. They just say, here, do this thing. And this is where I believe we are right now. Now, if you scroll to the next couple slides, <laughs> you can see that black dot in the center start to get bigger. That's our slide towards authoritarianism. That's not good, right? And 
Now, this isn't a guarantee. It's not going to go here. And if you go down all the way to the end, you end up with a big black dot, right? <laughs> That's not good. Um, but first is there's no guarantee we're going to end up in that situation, right? Lots of different things could happen to stop it. Um, there's obviously the division, the possibility of like a break, right? The red versus blue becomes like an almost kind of civil war uh, thing where it's not authoritarianism. It's like a revolution instead, which you don't want either. But more than that is we have a Republican form of government and we can solve this problem simply by expanding the house, right? Spreading that power out. And so what you would end up doing if you expanded the house, um, that would be your first step in balancing that power back out. Think of it like a, a, a sphere, right? And you've got all those different uh, slices of the, the beach ball and then you've got your executive sitting on top and it's, it's balanced there perfectly as long as that beach ball is properly inflated in the right size. But no if the no wind and they if the executive grows too big, it's going to squash the beach ball and it's going to go flat. And it's just and then everybody inside that beach ball. Right. The America, America, the people, realistically, they're the ones that suffer. And so that's kind of how our government balances power. Um, what do you think about that, John, that uh, that demonstration? Hopefully people understand it. <laughs> yeah, I think that. I think this is helpful when you kind of explain this to me and, and trying to visualize it. I mean, um, it really is like a beach ball with it, with it kind of a, a heavy ball on top. And as you said, if the executive gets too big, it can crush it. And, um, so I, I think trying to visualize it helps a lot when you explain what the dangers are. Um, and then also the idea that you do kind of split it up between different branches of government to, to sort of balance it out. And then the idea that there are freedoms that the government shouldn't control in our day-to-day -day lives. And that's a key thing that we might forget about because it's like, well, this this problem and I want the government to fix it. Um, I think that there's a journalist, Tim Carney, he talks about like do somethingism, where it's, you know, there's this terrible problem and you, the government's got to do something about it. And his kind of take on it is, um, well, maybe they shouldn't do anything about it. You know, maybe that's not really their job. And that's something that we, a people should put together, like a, a small community can can go together and, and try to fix that problem. And um, and I, I think that's a that it really is the encapsulation of what those clear white areas in that beach ball are of of power areas of power that um, a single person can exercise or a group can exercise, but aren't under the the direct control of some bureaucracy or some legislative program. Yeah, I I agree, and I'm a big fan of Tim Carney, by the way. I like his fatherhood stuff he writes about, but. Uh, he makes an excellent point there, and we talk about that a lot, is about pushing the responsibility as far down as possible to the people, mm -hmm. right? And, and when you're talking about a problem, and problem is a responsibility, right? And so when he's saying it's the community's responsibility to take care of that, it, they need to be able to have power to take care of that as well, and I think that's really important. That's what our government is designed to do. I just don't think that's what our government does. And you know, there's a lot of factors in that and we can point fingers, we can blame everybody, but I think most of the people that are living, working in the system, they just, they were told that it was supposed to be one way and they don't really know. And that's, that's really the most frightening part for me. You know, it's that's, like, that's why we're here trying to explain it. I mean, like it, you know, right. Uh, there's some guy I used to follow online and he's talked about this old TV station where they constantly replayed reruns of the Flintstones and people would complain to him. And the manager of the station was like, well, Every day there's someone born who doesn't has never seen the Flintstones, so I'm going to replay it for them. So, I mean, like that's kind of a trite example, but it is that idea. Like, you know, you just never know what people have been taught. Um, 
and and where they come from. And it's sometimes it's good to just repeat something um, to a remind those who know about it and to give them the strength of conviction, but also to, to teach people who never heard about it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to skip down here to uh, to the bottom slide to your help on it real quick, because when you say you don't know what people know, right? Two years ago, I didn't know any of this stuff. And why do I know this stuff now? And if you if you go down to his slide, it's his help. It's John's help on it. You want me to read it for you? We'll get nice. Yeah, he's, so I'm proud of this. Do you, go ahead, read it. Read it. So help wanted. Looking for thinkers. Do you also think our country is headed in the wrong direction? Do you think our leaders can't see it? Or worse, our leaders do but don't care. Does the partisan bickering, our team against their team, disgust you? Do you feel frustrated that nothing gets done? What if I told you that we've had these exact problems before? And what if I told you that good people can fix these problems when we work together? And what if I told you that the system is fine, it's just the people running the system who are the problem? We can study history, identify our country's flaws, and come together to repair our republic. Join us on the Madisonian Republicans. So that's 100% it. I felt that way, right? Two years ago, I was a a 35-year-old father of five who ran a small business who just felt completely powerless at everything that was going on around me. And there's a lot of different powers in society. We just talked about our government balancing power, right? Well, the power that I searched for, the power that I grabbed was knowledge. I picked up books and I started reading them. And I didn't read them because I wanted to be a politician and be famous and win elections and fundraise for a lot of dollars. I started reading them because I was scared. Like I was legitimately scared. I'm just a citizen. Like I'm just a person like everybody else. And, you know, going through that experience and trying to explain this to people, I get why you don't understand it. I didn't understand it either. It wasn't taught to me. It wasn't taught to a lot of us. And, you know, we just kind of got to get over that. And then once I walked into the political realm and I realized they didn't know it either. Oh man, that made me even more scared until I met you. And then I'm like, Hey, look, somebody else understands it. Yay. Let's go. <laughs> well, I'll push back. I mean, I'd say like, I don't think anyone's taught this. I mean, I, I kind of came to the same convictions in the same way you did. And I, I mean, I had the, the privilege perhaps of the disdain of, or the problem of having like a two hour car ride every day, like one hour there, one hour back. Um, and so I, I just started reading, um, listening to history books. And I had a friend recommend this book, what hath God wrought, like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And I never, I mean, I, I got it from the library and I read the first chapter. And I was like, this is really good, but I didn't have time to finish it. But then that was kind of the first book I wanted to, to listen to on my long commute. So I, I listened to what hath God wrought and I absolutely loved it. Cause it was this amazing time. Of, I mean, it's, it's an interesting time of period of, of America and the antebellum. Um, and the book talks about social issues and political issues at the time, but it happens to be part of this larger Oxford history of America series. And I was like, well, I wonder what other books are in the series. And what do you, what would you, you know, the only, unfortunately the only book that's missing is a progressive era, but it basically goes from pre-colonial times all the way up to modern times. And so I read, listened to that series twice. And that, um, I think was an amazing opportunity to really, get the full picture of kind of American history that I don't think I'd ever really taught been taught in that, in that way. And, um, it just in the same way that you did like books, get, reading the right books can really open you up. Um, and, right. And help, yeah. Have you see what's, what's, what society's about. And that actually leads into the next part. So the next part of our meeting after our topic discussion 
is book talk. Now this is, um, we go around, I bring all of my books. I've read a lot of books. I, uh, not all of the books. I, I couldn't possibly pack them all up, but I pack up most of the history books. Right. And, uh, I bring them to the meeting and I check them out to anybody that wants to come and read a book. Right. And then when they come, when they bring a book back, we discuss it because there's nothing more that I love than discussing a good book. Um, we had, what were the books read? We had the, uh, HH brands book. A lot of uh, American Colossus about capitalism. We had uh, Liberal Fascism by Jonah Goldberg was read. Um, and then we had uh, How the Force Can Fix the World. How the Force Can Fix the World was read. That's right. Um, and then there was one more that wasn't ours. I can't remember. But anyways, fantastic uh, discussion on that on that uh, with everybody. What was your book that you that you talked about? Um, was Are Your Lights On? And I think I mentioned this earlier, but um, yeah, I really like this book because it's kind of an engineering book and I'm an engineer, so, uh, it really fits my wheelhouse. It's a, it's a nice, easy read. I think it's like only a hundred pages, there's pictures and stuff, fun cartoons. But, um, one of the, the chapters in it, it talks about this tunnel. I think it's in Italy and, um, it's a really long, dark tunnel. So you got to turn your headlights on, but then right outside the tunnels, there's this amazing overlook, uh, and it's gotta be Italy. Cause I think it's over the Mediterranean. So everyone just gets out of the tunnel and they immediately turn over and they look at the beautiful view. Now this book was written in the eighties and this is when cars weren't so smart and uh, fewer microchips. And so you, the car didn't like beep at you when the lights were on. So the problem was people would get out of this tunnel and they would park and the, their batteries would drain because they were just so enthralled with the view. They'd be there for a while. And so the engineers are like, well, how do we solve this problem? And so they had a couple ideas. One of them was to actually have a bunch of signs right outside the tunnel. And it's like, is it dark? Is it raining? Uh, um, uh, are your wipers on? Like sort of things that you would have to keep your lights on and then sort of the suggestion that, well, then you should turn your lights off. So, you know, really get complicated over-engineered solution. But after a lot of discussion, they realized like, we just have to get people to think about their lights for just a split second as they exit the tunnel. And so the question they pose is, are your lights on? And that's just to get you to think about the lights so that if you're going to stop at the rest stop, you're going to turn them off. If you're still going, you might still turn them off. Um, and I think the reason that this book really spoke to me when I read it was because of our, our whole thing that we're talking about, the Y435. Um, so that, that was the reason I, I brought it up at, at our discussion, because it it's the idea of like trying to ask what's the right question to any problem, either if it's an engineering issue or if it's a problem with, with government and society. Right. I mean, if that's what my my dad would always say you know like if you want me to solve it you got to ask the right question right like i gotta i don't know what you know right or i don't know mm -hmm. what you don't know um and yeah that's really important that's obviously why we're telling everybody ask why 435 whether you think the house should be uncapped or not whether you think the number should be 435 535 870 whatever a or thousand you know, if you've got an idea you know whatever you know you should at least they're supposed to debate it and take care of it every 10 years it's their job you should be asking that question it's like the one of the most basic things they're supposed to do simply by ignoring it doesn't means they're ignoring doing their job and uh we gotta ask them about that um so anyways my book for this one was don quixote now this one is uh pretty awesome because it's a brilliantly written book uh for anybody out there it's a classic obviously but also my daughter and i were reading this together now this is my daughter's Today's my daughter's 13th birthday. I cannot believe she's 13 years old. It's insane. Happy birthday. And she, she finished Don Quixote before her dad at 12 years old. <laughs> and 
I think it's it's such a brilliant book because it, you know, it's written so long ago, right? And it feels so relevant to what we're going through. And this is kind of what I took away from it. Whether a man is lowborn or wellborn, educated or uneducated, each is wise in what they know and a fool in what they don't. And I take that from the two main characters, Sancho Panza, who's this, you know, lowborn uh, guy who squire who can't read, and then you've got uh, Don Quixote, who's the intellectual um, knight's errant who solve, you know, going on all these adventures. And when you read all these different adventures, there are moments where both characters seem like complete fools, and moments where they seem like amazing human beings. And you go. Well, yeah, that's kind of life, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how we all are. Nothing's really changed. Um, And there's this one quote from the book that makes me think very relevantly of today, which is, it makes her think of our politics. Whether it's red or blue, this is kind of the way they think about it, or way it is. God help us, for the entire world is nothing but tricks and deceptions opposing one another. And that's what happens when you have power in a society split into two as opposed to four. Mm-hmm. And that because it becomes about tricking the other side as opposed to convincing the other powers to come along with you. Yeah, because you're just one move from checkmate. That's, you know, that's your exactly. whole Exactly. Right. If we could just have the House, the Senate, and the presidency look at all we could do. Oh, by the way, we also have to eliminate the filibuster so we can rule like a dictator, mm-hmm. right? That's what they're saying to you. They're asking your permission to be to rule you. Um, but yeah, kind of dangerous, don't you think? Very dangerous. Uh, all right, so that was our meeting, uh, pretty much. That's kind of how what our Madisonian Re- Republican meetings are like um, after that. We did a little pumping of our uh, politics and podcast. You know, we've got our Substack and our podcast out there. Please support, share, like, comment, have a discussion, whatever you can. Um, remember, we want to have a conversation with people. So if you hear what, something that we're saying and you want to talk about it, come on on. Let's let's have a discussion. Let's, you know, debate. Um, October, our October meeting is in flux right now. We typically meet the last Saturday of october but i'm trying to make that happen but i'm trying to make it happen in a special way so we'll get back to that um remember to ask why 435 we've got some swag on our politics and parenting Substack um web store we've got a why 435 t-shirt and ambition may must be made to counteract ambition james madison t-shirt and a and to the republic for which it stands t-shirt and then at the end, we've got our help on it ads. John read his earlier. Mine is up there. Mine's very different than his. I'm very, I don't know what I am. I'm just different than people. So, <laughs> um, but look, we're, we're looking for, you know, people that want to help. It doesn't really matter where you come from, whether you're lowborn or, or, or well-born, right? If you're an intellectual or you had never read a word in your life, you each have strengths and weaknesses that we can all work together and build something. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, so this, this, uh, this episode ran a little bit longer than our typical one because we did the meeting, but um, I feel like we did good. You want to do a little parenting segment? I know you had a good topic for this week. Yeah, so we were at dinner last, at some point this week, um, 
and we're always trying to instill manners in our children. And, you know, that's like, you know, use a fork to eat instead of your fingers um, or, you know, chew with your mouth uh, closed or don't sing or something like that. But part of that sort of encouraging kids to, to um, follow manners is sometimes the other kids get involved too. And they use that as an opportunity to wield power and snipe at the other, the other children and like, Oh, so-and-so is eating with their mouth closed. And um, so one of the things that we've been doing when, when they're kind of, there's sort of that backhanded compliment of like, well, you're not being polite, but I'm also not going to be polite and trying to correct you is to, to correct the other person in a gentle way. So, you know, if it's like, well, uh, little, little Rose is eating with her mouth open and someone says, Rose, stop eating with your mouth open. Um, the correction would be like, well, what you could, you know, what you could do is you could gently remind Rose that, um, eating with your mouth open is kind of disgusting and it'd be better if she kept her, if she, you know, chew with her mouth closed, cause it's just, it's nicer and sort of, you know, trying to agree with them because they're, they are calling out some behavior that you're, you're trying to, to, um, uh, to, to not encourage, but at the same time, not encouraging the sniping and to sort of put it back on them and say like, Hey, I, you know, the substance of what you were saying was right, but the whole way you were doing it wasn't right. So that's something we try to do, you know, have respect on both sides where, yes, you should, you should chew with your mouth closed, but also you shouldn't just call someone out like that. Like there's, there is kind of, there needs to be a little bit of decorum when you're trying to correct someone. And so my decorum in trying to correct both people is to sort of say like, how would be an ideal way to phrase that correction if you were trying to, uh, right. Do it fix fix the behavior yeah i mean we have the we have the same problem at our house right i mean when you have a lot of kids this happens um and you know it's it's about power right it's about wielding power because look they know better the older kids know better so that's knowledge they want to wield their knowledge in front Mm -hmm. of their parents they always want hey look at me i'm so smart right and they are smart like don't get me wrong but you know that's not really what's important right now we're at the dinner table we're having a, a meal together um and uh Part of it is like the younger kids, sometimes you just like you got to give them a little bit more grace, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and the older kids, they're like, this is annoying me. Like yeah. they're wielding the power because it's for them themselves. They're not really trying to help mom and dad. They're just like Eleanor's chewing is really annoying me. So I'm going to snipe at her and tell her not to because she shouldn't be doing that anyways. Um, now it doesn't mean that it's not wrong or, you know, Eleanor's not wrong for, you know, chewing with her mouth open or whatever. And, and we kind of struggle with the same thing where it's like, all right, how could you have said that better? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, what do you, how do you, what I like to ask the girl, uh, last older kids is like, how do you think you handled that situation? Oh, that's a good way to frame it. (laughs) You know, like, because look, I mean, there's times where I snipe at my kids inappropriately. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. No, it's bad. It's a bad habit you know like because i'm also annoyed but there's five of them and they're always like so today today was a long day we had the kids in the house but they were outside most day then start to rain then they're inside the house and we don't do tv right so it's like writing reading and they're just on us all day and we put them to bed and vanessa's like what do you want to do and i was like you just want to go lay down in our bed together and just like lay there so we literally laid there for an hour before the show (laughs) that's all we did i was like do you like this she's like this is fantastic. It's just so quiet all day long. It was like, what letter is this? Can you read this? Can you do? And then, and we kept our calm, right? But there was a, there was going to come a moment if we kept on and we didn't have that piece where we're going to be like, go away, you know, (laughs) like stop asking questions. Um, so I relate with my children in that aspect. Right. Um, and what I try to explain to them is look, 
we all have to give each other grace when we make those mistakes, right? Um, but we also need to be thinking that how could I have handled it better, right? It's okay. You know, I do it, you do it. Just think about it, learn from it. And then the next time, try to do it better. So that's... Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like a two-year-old asking you what time is it because you're like, what are you going to do with that information? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my God, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> All right. That was a good show. What do you think, John? It was a good show. Good All right. One. So should we do something weird for the outro or is this our, or is our outro okay? Or is it like cut and, cut and paste it from the, from the fundraising crew? I think, you know, there's a, a key element to, as we were talking about at the meeting, that's sort of, you can wear a tuxedo. And if you wear it at a situation where tuxedos don't fit in, you're going to feel weird. And if you wear it at a, at a black tie event, you're going to fit right in. So we're a podcast. We should fit in with all the other podcasts. Ah, comfortability. I like it. I like it. All right. So like and subscribe, share, peace and love. 